Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Research at the Said Business School. I'm Jane Bloomfield. I'm Head of Business Development at Cantor. So we're really pleased to be joined today by Matt Heinel, who is the CEO of Moving Brands. And we're going to start talking about autonomous vehicles and sort of auto and mobility and what, what things are changing here and how it's going to disrupt the way that uh, people interact with all sorts of things, including brands. Uh, so Matt... Perhaps you could kick us off a little bit and, and just sort of share what, what kind of the trends are in this space. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. I think one of the things that's really interesting to look at is how the the companies that are doing the most innovative stuff are entirely new to the auto industry. So what they tend to be coming to the game with is uh, much more of a technology approach to how they're doing their, their work and their design and development. So you're getting this interesting thing happening where you've got industrial era companies that are massive brands that we're all used to and then you're getting essentially technology companies or technology startups often led from a very strong engineering point of view but also very strong digital understanding coming into the space and actually culturally what they think is important and how they see the customer or user is quite different and also what they're focusing on so this is you know, very broad brush and uh, a little bit crude. But I think when I look at uh, the famous car brands in the world, they tend to obsess about the car, as you'd expect. That makes mm -hmm. sense, right? It's uh, this object we've spent ages building and it's made out of steel and it's got wheels and it's shiny and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But I think a lot of the newer companies who are coming into space thinking specifically about electrified vehicles or autonomous vehicles are actually thinking about mobility. So they don't even necessarily think about themselves as car businesses. And in fact, 
most of them aren't even building cars, right? They're not actually mm -hmm. manufacturing a car. And, and really, I think they tend to, at the moment, probably what they're occupied most with is what's the technology that helps this thing not run anyone over and get to where it's supposed to be and be hailed at the right time, which is no mean feat, obviously. But actually, in general, I think they're probably going to be more similar to other digital tech brands that we're familiar with. They're probably going to be more similar to a Facebook or more similar to an Instagram or uh, an Airbnb, actually might be a better analogy, than they will to a Volkswagen or a Porsche. And not to say those guys aren't also doing really interesting things. So you talked about mobility. I wonder if you could just define what do they mean by mobility? Do you know, is it is it travel? Is it transport? I think it's a word that gets used a lot today, but it would be good to understand from from their perspective, your perspective. What what do you think that really means? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I assume that the definition of mobility will evolve over time as we get more used to it and um, the companies that are doing it develop new ideas inside that but in in broad terms i think it helps to compare so i think about mobility as being a combination of different modes of transport in the way in which it's operated so it's not just cars it's cars and it's bikes and it's scooters and it's maybe choppers and maybe it's drones and also maybe um, public transport systems them all being connected with the goal to get you from place to place and to provision the way in which you do that to be, I guess, efficient or on your terms or whatever it might be. Whereas auto industry is probably more focused traditionally on being OEM, being the guys who make that one piece of the puzzle, which we've used as consumers to be the, uh, the fundamental way in which we get around. But actually, I think probably a mobility company is looking at the whole landscape and saying we're not going to own cars in the way we used to and people want to move around in a lot of different ways and actually it's more important that we think of ourselves maybe as a platform and we're enabling or facilitating all those different ways to get around and then from getting around as a platform you start to get into lots of other interesting places and and opportunities and because they're not making the vehicles themselves they don't have that manufacturing complexity to bring along with them um, and they're probably a bit freer to do different partnerships and different deals and, uh, and and provide different ways in which people can use multiple different services but maybe it's always coming via them uh, that's a really long-winded way of saying it but I think we're pro if, if you have like a symbolic I sometimes think talk about this idea of like if my, if my mum was in the corner of the room and she squinted at it, what would it be? Right? If you think about that in terms of the auto industry today, it's probably a car. I think if you did that for mobility, it's probably going to be some kind of interface that allows us to get places. But the actual mode of transport could be multiple different things depending on what you actually want at that time. So what I'm hearing is you're talking about a system, basically, you know, and sort of this, this interconnected system. What I'm thinking though as a counter to that is aren't we going to end up with lots of competing systems that don't necessarily plug into each other because that's in part sort of the history of technology uh, and then eventually there's a war and some platform wins so where are we kind of at in that at the moment that's a great question i, I think you're right um, i think there will be multiple systems i think some of them will be 
probably systems that are mostly focused on mobility and then there'll be other ones that are systems that are part of other big systems so obvious example might be an existing transport system so some sort of relationship with a government body but it could also be um, a system that's part of a bigger corporation that's a big technology corporation that already has massive businesses in other areas you know we can think of multiple versions of that at google or maybe i don't think facebook are necessarily doing anything in this space but that kind of idea of uh, companies that are in lots of different spaces uh i think probably they will be in serious competition with each other and you might find that there'll be some sort of subscription business model whereby you might select who, who do you choose as a customer in that situation i mean i'm just projecting this i haven't thought about it in detail but it'll be somewhat similar to like why do you choose lyft over uber or free now over uber i think it will come down to availability it will come down to price it will come down to values it will come down to your brand preference as well i, I think it might looking at the different players who are getting into the space i think availability and price will be less of the big drivers as maybe they have been in the past and i think people will maybe want to associate with the brands based on what they think the qualities of that brand are more than just wow it's there i'll use it so you talk a little bit about new entries are the barriers to entry do you think lower than they've ever been because i don't need to go off and get a factory and and a production line to build my car now to enter into this space you know uber you assume started with someone sitting behind a keyboard going how do i build a platform that you then build as andrew says ecosystems around different areas and services so do you think that's a, a kind of threat a challenge or a great opportunity depending on which sort of side of the the conversation you sit on when i'm looking at the technology part of it it definitely doesn't feel easy like <laughs> it's yeah. um i mean as a non-expert it's you know looking at the types of people involved in doing this work and and how long it's taking and where they've come from and and so on i mean it's a really serious engineering undertaking and it's um very much uh, associated with the development of artificial intelligence as well as well as a lot of video tech and various other different things going on that's before you even get into the regulatory issues mm -hmm. which are extremely meaningful as they should be because it's this is uh, life and death stuff uh, if it goes wrong i think what is easier to use that term a bit loosely is 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 the new part of it which is where you're making the interface with the user whereas before if you, if you look at it as for me to have an interface with a bmw i have to get you in the car <laughs> okay mm -hmm. before i mean it's obvious to say but i have to get you in for you to feel the car I could, for one of these services that's coming to market, I just have to get you to download the app. And then you're already interfacing with the brand and you may be doing actually some quite meaningful part of the service without ever getting into the car. Because if it's about checking when I can get somewhere or what the traffic's like or ordering something up, that might be what I'm doing with that brand most of the time. Yeah. And then every now and then I'll jump in a car. So I think they have got huge engineering challenges to build autonomous vehicles or semi-autonomous vehicles but i actually think they've got as well as that massive opportunities to build these other services alongside and on top of that which are have got nothing to do with manufacturing mm -hmm. so in some ways that is i'm struggle with the word easier but it's more 
accessible if you come from that technology background. Right, and I think yeah, it's it's maybe you know difficult in different ways, but the um, if you think about sort of older car companies, I mean, I'm sure they think of the driver and they think of the passenger and they think about this sort of experience, but it is very much in the object. And I'm not going to sort of pick on any car companies, but I'm sure many of us have, you know, tried to use the app that is meant to turn on your car or do all sorts of things and tends to not work so well because that's just not what they do. So if you bring a technology sensibility, sort of engineering issues aside, you can sort of see how there's maybe this more sort of user or customer centric mentality that that comes in into play. What happens with that consumer in terms of sort of their desire to adopt so that let's call it a mobility system with autonomous vehicles and, and, and all sorts of things because they're used to driving a car or getting into a car. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of unanswer your question, which is like, <laughs> who, who's used to driving a car? Uh, most of the people I work with don't have driver's licenses. So they're highly unused to driving a car. And most people probably in the States have never driven a stick shift. Hmm. So... You know, we are already driving semi-autonomous vehicles yeah. in a way, mm -hmm. um, you know, cruise control, assistive braking. Mm -hmm. A lot of these, the sort of uh, grandparents of these new things are, are, are in our lives already, right? So it's not as odd as I think people think it is. We've also all been on buses and planes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We've all sat in a box right. and whiled away the time. So I think there will be absolutely a group of people who love driving and they love it because for various different reasons they love the vehicle itself the design of the vehicle they like the sense of control the notion of freedom the story of the brand i would probably count myself in in that group but i also like being a rider and actually up until now we haven't really had the choice between being a driver and being a rider i think many more people in the world to an exponential degree will be much more interested in being a rider than being a driver I don't think it's going to be that hard mm. to explain that. But I, what I'm certain of is from a marketing point of view, trying to get people to feel comfortable with being riders is not going to be done in the same way as you got people to fall in love with the idea of being a driver. Going fast, mm. speed, mm -hmm. sexy, power, muscular, going around corners in Monaco. Because <laughs> we all do that. <laughs> right. I mean, but if you look at the the marketing of most of the car brands particularly ones with some sort of performance category it's a complete sea of sameness and it's the same stuff that was happening in the 60s and 50s right mm -hmm. it has not evolved in in a, in a way that's interesting at all what i think another thing you'll see is people marketeers creative people strategists who are working in this area will be looking at what does it mean what are the insights of being a rider or a passenger in a mobility service and will will probably just turn 180 degrees from everything that's been done in the auto industry in terms of the marketing there because it's basically not really fit for purpose. It's mm. telling a story that probably won't be relevant anymore. So part of the autonomous driving question is that feeling of safety and security. Um, so you're right, my husband does not have a driver's license. He is very happy being a rider or a passenger, much to my dismay. <laughs> But there's a difference between him sitting next to me, who he still might criticise my driving, and sitting next to, to nothing or, you know, sitting in that feeling that you're slightly even less control, if you like. Do you think there's a journey we still have to take people on? And do you think that people will understand those benefits to the point where they just go, actually, I'm going to give this a whirl? You know, what's mm -hmm. the tipping point, I guess, um, to, to real adoption? 
I, I think the safety thing is fundamental. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't build any of these experiences or brands or services on top of something that feels like it's going to be a life-threatening life mm -hmm. thing. They will just need to keep explaining that and evidencing it and building layers mm -hmm. and layers of credibility. I think also some of the numbers are really incredible if you think about the amount of people who die in road traffic accidents on an annual basis i think it's plus one million globally and that's i, I believe the late 90s percent of that is um driver error okay so we're not in the world of like exploding pintos or whatever mm -hmm. it was in the 60s when when you know these cars just set on fire and people died in them these are mistakes we're all making mm -hmm. all the time and actually we're probably making them ourselves but getting away with it mm -hmm. um, and not even realizing what may be more strange is that we'll look back and think it was okay for us to go out taking that level <laughs> of risk right when yeah. we were driving these cars mm -hmm. and we'll probably look back and go that was a bit that was, that was a bit hairy <laughs> like, what were we doing those yeah, crazy yeah. days of driving wow. <laughs> let alone things with drink mm -hmm. driving and you know uh, uh, under the influence of drugs and things like that so I, I'm not sort of dismissing that as not a mm. major issue, but, but I think it's probably there are tried and tested stories to tell and messaging to do that have, we could probably learn from the airline industry. Yeah. How did they explain that when, when they first launched passenger jets? Rail probably had similar things, different mm. scale. Mm -hmm. And we can also learn from when people have got it wrong. So, you know, when Uber has had accidents, what have they done? Mm. How have they explained that? When I look at what the guys who are developing AV are, are, are doing, they seem to be being actually quite, not all of them, but they seem to be being relatively measured about the promises they're making. Mm -hmm. Where actually there's two camps, right? You've got a couple of characters over on one <laughs> side, which we, we may talk about, who are all about optimism, all this stuff that could happen and it's wonderful. And then you've got other people who are actually developing things and doing it a little quieter and being quite cautious mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also maybe not um, being bearish on it, but they're just not over-promising anything, I would say. And I think what probably is going on is that the technology, if you look at it a little bit in a, in a vacuum, tells you that you can do some of this stuff. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Already. In fact, there are some of these programs alive in the states already right however i think other people realize that it's way more complex than just the technology it's things you're talking about there about attitudes behaviors emotions regulation mm. yeah. um, all these things perception are very very difficult to change if in fact they should mm. be changed yeah. 
and they need the proper course of time and proper debate and discussion for people to get used to it just because you can launch a rocket in a certain way doesn't mean you should do it that way right (laughs) Um, and i think that will be a really fascinating debate because the other thing that we'll see is it will anything to do with automation will change the economy and what type of jobs people are doing we all know this right and it will impact people's lives you know if you've got friends or you know people who work in industries that will be affected by that you'll have an emotive personal reaction to that not just yeah wow that was Mm. cool it's more efficient Mm. that won't be enough so it's going to be it's going to be a very big conversation but again it's not going to be about speed and how much horsepower things have got right it's going to be about all sorts of other more deep psychological aspects yeah i would say so yeah Yeah. i I think it's it's going to make us think about community in some ways more because it it will affect community in in more different ways than than the car does today which already does have a massive impact on community and do you think there's any sort of cities countries that are sort of more ready this than this for others so you know if you take for example Amsterdam and you go there and you you know there's bikes everywhere and they're very very set up um for cycling and and more physically active you might say culture whereas London's obviously taking years to get to that point and and now obviously there are loads of cyclists on the road but then on the flip side I think you know we have data at Kantar that says something like Phoenix in the US has the highest proportion of car journeys and, and you go, well, that's probably a, a, an infrastructure, a logistical mm. thing. It's not that people go, oh, I would never get on my bicycle. It's just that they have literally miles and miles yeah. of road to drive to get somewhere. So do you think there's sort of easy wins, I guess, and where we might see some of this being adopted and trialled? Great question. Mm. I haven't thought about it um, in a huge amount of detail, but I think um, anywhere, I, I, I'm assuming anywhere that, is already quite dense and people are used to using different modes of transport regularly is probably quite a good place to start for the for the service side ironically i think the opposite might be true for testing out the cars bit of it so phoenix i think is is actually a test bed now isn't it for for, for waymo and some of the other players and so and i think that's probably because people do almost exclusively use cars and they mm. are quite ro- wide roads mm. and it's probably less dense so there's probably a safety issue there so where they might start to be developed or, or launched might not be where they have the most take up and somewhere like amsterdam might have more take up than somewhere like phoenix in the end because actually having your own car in phoenix because there's parking lots everywhere and the roads are designed mm. for that might actually end up being a better bet in the long run yeah. anyway but somewhere like London or Amsterdam, which has small, tight spaces not designed for the car, actually being able to choose between a scooter, a bike, a motorbike, um, a device that can carry some packaging around for me, a normal car, a van, a bus, a train, a tram, that rhymes, um, okay. is probably ideal. So really long answer to say I don't know. <laughs> well, I think there's, so I've got a colleague at uh, Oxford who specializes in sort of, among other things, sort of smart cities. Mm-hmm. And what he says is, is exactly this, it's this infrastructure piece that cities have not been designed for a sort of a new way of thinking about mo- mobility, um, which also therefore means that citizens haven't sort of been designed, so to speak, to think about different modes of transport and how they would blend those different modes of transport because it's always been inconvenient. And, and a, you know, say a typical, you know, large U.S. city like Phoenix that we're just picking on, it's designed to be spread out. It's designed to have 
massive, you know, shopping malls kind of out in the outskirts, which become a traffic attractor mm. versus, say, a sort of a more sort of medieval style European city with a small town center. And, and so there's different models of cities around the world as well, which makes it even more complex. But I think it's interesting to look at sort of these new, say, if we take cities like Dubai, for instance, where they those governments are thinking about these sorts of things as they literally build cities in the sand. I, I wonder if the design aspects are coming, like engineering design, infrastructure design aspects are still kind of caught in the in the 1990s or, or earlier. Yeah, I mean, the, the infrastructural stuff goes pre-Roman, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if, you're, if we're thinking Europe. So absolutely, we're talking about layers and layers of behavior that have been built up over centuries um, in, in people's lives. I think the first DARPA challenge was in late 90s which has kicked mm -hmm. off a lot, uh, I'm gonna get the date wrong, sorry about that, but it, it kicked off a lot of the development of trying to do autonomous vehicles. That's what, 20 years? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's even less than that, maybe 15. So it would be no surprise that the cities are stuck in a 90s master planning mentality, and yeah. that's probably built on ideas from Victorian era, yeah. and maybe from mm -hmm. the 50s and 60s mid, uh, international uh, mid-century ideas. So absolutely and i think though the difference with what could be possible with uh, these technologies is that they are inherently designed to be adaptable that's their raison d'etre in a way mm. isn't it is to say i don't necessarily need a parking space i don't need a gas station mm. i don't i don't need any of those things because i'm designed for any type of scenario whether they'll achieve that or not is a different question but the idea i mean if we just think for a minute of someone else uh, Moon Brown said to me the other day, it's like, what will happen to curbs? Like, why do we need curbs? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, what's the point of them? Like, what a waste of step. What a, what a waste of masonry. Yeah. They're just yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah they they're are. dangerous. And yeah. tripping hazards. What, yes. What will your street look like when cars aren't parking on it anymore? Yeah. Mm. Like, your front garden will actually, they'll probably, I'll, I'll, I'll predict here for, as, as a bit of a joke, that there'll be like an explosion in front garden design. <laughs> because, oh, but see, it's yeah, all moving into different areas, isn't yeah. it? Because that you have to think about most front gardens now are just bricked off, yeah. right? Yeah. Because they're at car level, yeah. at the waistline of a car. You don't never look at them, but when you start walking down the street that people aren't parking on, like you know, in the middle of summer or bank holiday, yeah, there's mm -hmm. no they just look grim, right? Mm -hmm. And then people start thinking about that a bit differently. The I think the way in which we experience our cities will probably change. It might go back to being more Victorian or more medieval. Mm. Who knows? People might walk more. Horses. Horses? Yeah. Why not? Resurgence of horses. There might be horses. <laughs> I don't think that's that crazy. No, think there might I be horses. Think. I read an article, um, I don't, you know, maybe six months ago, and it was it was looking, you know, back in time at articles that were written, and, and apparently by now we should all be flying about in jetpacks, <laughs> which I feel really quite upset that we're not. Um, but do you see cool stuff that, you know, you just go, actually, that's a little bit wacky. So do you see things that make you think, actually, that's super cool, and I really hope that happens? And, uh, you know, I mean, what I'm basically asking is, are jetpacks coming? Yeah. Um, but if they're not, then is there something else cool? No, sorry, there's no jet. Yeah, no, I think, I, I imagine there will be jetpack. I mean, there's a guy, isn't there the French guy who's going across the channel or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm never getting but on a jetpack. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. But I'd quite like other people to, so I can laugh at them. There are a few people doing stuff that I've seen with flying cars. And basically what they're doing that looks more plausible is they're turning it into a sandwich so they've got the uh, a lot of the EV manufacturers talk about having the skateboard 
which is essentially mm-hmm. the think of it as the base of the car that's got the wheels and the mm-hmm. engine in it mm-hmm. and then that gets interesting because it means that you can kind of put anything you want on the skateboard you can put and i like to think of it as like a, a room in motion mm-hmm. i actually think architects are going to be more important to car design than car designers Designer. in the okay. future which i'll probably get crucified for but <laughs> thinking about a room thinking mm-hmm. about a space like, yeah. imagine having a bookshelf in a car well, if but, you're not driving it, you right, don't need you all that do? space. Yeah. Exactly, Andrew. What are you going to do? What do you do? do with your time? Yeah. Great question. Coffee table. Have a bed, have a sleep, you know. You could sleep in a car. You could you could do conference calls. You could watch, mm. consume content. I think this. you were saying something earlier on, which was interesting, which is about, about how the car manufacturers have, have tried to keep up with some of the digital players mm. in terms of adding more stuff into mm-hmm. the car. From my perspective, and this is a kind of a harsh view, but... I just don't think they've done a very good job. They're not really competing on that level mm. with, you know, some some of the best players in the world uh, when it comes to digital content or whatever it might be. I, my personal view is it would be more likely that they'll find a way to allow you to bring the things that you're already subscribing to or consuming into that environment, into the car environment, in a really really easy way. So it might be that the screens are fantastic and there's lots of them and the sound quality is amazing, mm-hmm. but they're not. It just seems strange to me that they'll try to compete on maps. Yeah. Like, wh- wh- why yeah. would you, why would I want to have maps done in a generation that's like two generations behind uh-huh. as we have? You know, when you go into a yeah. car and it's like it's only two years old, but the map feels like yeah. Oh my god. You know. Okay. So I'll give my phone. Yeah. Good. So you might find it like the that whole like very heavy with buttons and interface mm-hmm. and trying to feel digital thing mm-hmm. is a bit of a blip mm-hmm. and actually it will go back to being a more open space more like a room more like real mm-hmm. furniture furniture designed for people to connect with each other mm-hmm. and communicate and have a conversation that kind of stuff so i think the environment will change and the, and that environment will end up being more like other environments we're used to more architectural environments mm-hmm. and therefore what do we do in those environments will probably help us understand right. how we might use that space more and then the top layer the bread on the top is some form of drone uh, with all the maneuverability and power of a drone and essentially if you think about it it's the difference the vision we often have in our heads is um like a a car that looks like a sports car that's also got wings that can sort of <laughs> you know like fold down and yeah. suddenly it has to take off and then someone someone really sort of pedantic goes yeah but what about the um the, the lights on the motorway they might clip your wings off and all that kind of stuff so <laughs> then someone goes well you never be able to take off and set down but if you've got this you basically can verticalize take off and and set down and all that kind of stuff whether it's possible or not is an engineering uh, mm. and regulatory challenge but one of the things that it makes me think about is how would you acquire those different bits of the sandwich so the the bottom layer the skateboard layer might be something that you have a subscription to because you might be jumping from different skateboards to other skateboards depending where you are the room you might want to own that forever and Mm -hmm. it's actually a piece of architecture it's almost like having a garden office or something like that but the drone bit you might just pay for per mile Mm. or by altitude or i don't know Mm. so it starts to get into some quite interesting business models as well it's like who's gonna supply all those different things there's lots of different players in there who knows
You've been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. Sure. We're good. I get to talk about my um, ice cream vanification. Or I think <laughs> almost every high street shop will become like an ice cream van. As in ah, just as in dri- autonomous driving around wherever you are. So back to the day of when people used to have like a mobile library. I have a fish van that comes around right. uh, my street, where you, which I feel is quite retro. Yeah. And going back to the days of me growing up in East School Bride. Uh, <laughs> with the library and the fish van used to come down the street. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I love that idea. Or like, I mean, markets were just carts, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's that. Horses. We're, we're, back back to horses. Horses. we're back to horses. Who knew this episode would be about horses? <laughs>